Uh, well, it was wide, like, you know. I don't know how many thousand people were, were here. I'd say every one of them thought it was wide except the umpire. But anyway, so look, that's what happens when you, you know, when you weigh grounds, you don't tend to get breaks. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Start your day in flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar. This is News Talk. A very good evening to you. It's uh, Mick McCarthy here in the wrong seat, I would say, tonight, uh, sitting in for Joe one more time. Joe, back next week, believe it or not. We've, we've barely mentioned his name. I think there's been, there's been conspiracy theories, there's been all sorts, but Joe will be back. But I'm stuck. You're stuck with me for the next three hours. Sorry about that. Uh, but we have lots to talk about. It's been an interesting day of sport. Tom Brady has retired. He's actually done it this time, according to him. We'll speak to Mike Carlson later on this hour about the legacy of Tom Brady and what's next for him. Joe Cancelo, Joe Cancelo's move to Bayern Munich, one of the maddest transfers of all time. It's kind of there's been a lot going on this week, and we haven't actually talked about it that much. Gavin Cooney, the 42, is going to be in on the football show. We'll talk about lots of stuff from the transfer window and from lots more as well. But Cancelo's move to Bayern in particular, and basically what it says about Manchester City, what it says about Pep Guardiola, we'll dig into that and lots more besides Chelsea's spree, etc. Gav, I think, might have a sense that maybe it's not as crazy as an, as. Uh, as we all think it is in Chelsea, but we'll see. We'll talk to him after nine o'clock. And there's a small matter of Wednesday night rugby, Six Nations preview, Maddie Williams, Keen Tracy, Arthur O'Dea is with me in studio. Arthur, this is my first night stuck with a Wednesday night rugby. It's like, how am I gonna do how am I gonna do the full length here? It's like, you know, about forty minutes or so, it's a lot. Um you called me Joe Rogan at one stage. You managed it, yeah. You managed it. You had a lot to say. You made sure you said it. <laughs> I don't know if it was all me now, to be honest. There's a lot to talk about in the sixth age. But unfortunately for radio listeners, they won't get to hear about anyone who isn't Ireland and Wales because I spouted on too long and we had to cut it out. But you can listen on the podcast. Search for Rugby on Off the Ball in the podcast feed yep. after 10 o'clock, ideally. And you'll be able to hear the other games. <laughs> <laughs> listen through and then listen back for those extra 15-20 minutes It's good that you got your criticism in early anyway but welcome to the show also welcome to Richie McCormick me and Richie have done this before of course We have yeah we've been uh, pretty much passing the baton in the wake of uh, Joe's morning of not getting the Sunday game uh, so yeah it's uh, it's, it's, it's nice to let you have at it for the evening Mick Quick question to Richie and this is one Shoot. that might pass over radio listeners heads but you'll be able to see it on YouTube How many of the exact same hats do you have in different colours? Because uh, that's it. That's I've black. seen the green one. I've seen the blue mm. one. I've seen a black one. What have we got today? Some sort of mauve color. There's a bit. There's about four. Is mauve a color, I think, Arthur. I think so. Yeah. Mauve. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's black. There's green. There's blue one here. Is that blue? Um, Sorry. And, okay. and there's, yeah, and there's a wine one somewhere around here too. So yeah, uh, I need it. I'm freezing today. It's the cold, is it? Yeah. You're yeah, not doing the Tommy Tiernan. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, Mick but the insulating up top isn't the best and isn't what it used to be back in the day. I don't have the same luxury as, I don't know, you, for instance. It's the only thing uh, I've got, Richie. Don't take it away from me. <laughs> with, your, with your thatch that you have up there. Uh, <laughs> some of us aren't as lucky. Uh, so I have to kind of compensate with woolen wares uh, during these cold months. So we're going to talk to Mike Carlson in uh, about a half an hour on Tom Brady, who, again, teased us all. I think the exact same week last year, we did 90% of a news round about Tom Brady and it turned out that he wasn't retired at all. Um, he came back. His marriage broke up. He had a fairly middling season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I wonder, is it the worst sporting decision of all time? 
as in to, to go and stay to, and stay, come to, back. to do that one year like he's finished now I it struck me when what like passively watching it doesn't seem like many people were taking shots at him were they or were they like it's it's still kind of don't look don't look at that let him let him let him do it and he'll go he'll be gone again but yeah it didn't seem like anyone was he didn't he didn't seem a figure of too much spite does he no possibly not really no I don't think so but as you said earlier off air there, there is a sense of you just assume that Tom Brady can do certain things so therefore you don't get worked up better but like Brady had they didn't have a good season they made the playoffs um, with a, I think a 9-8 and eight record in the end but he was doing they, they could have been a lot worse he had a load of like last two minute comebacks that's something that like defines a quarterback but particularly Brady and he was still doing that this year but nobody was getting excited about it because that's just what Tom Brady does yeah, it's it's an amazing thing to get to that level as a sports person, where these amazing feats that you're doing are just being taken for granted, and nobody's actually paying much attention to them. Yeah, and I distinctly recall it. Now, who they were playing in the air just happened to be tuning in some Sunday evening after going home and watching it, and watching him work down whatever whatever they were, whatever distance they were back, but just work down the field in that kind of way, and then get the win, steal the well, like steal the result last minute last effort of the game and that's it they just kind of walk off and it's like oh he's done it yeah. again but it's like know. good god this <laughs> is <just> remarkable <laughs> stuff <laughs> well I don't know that might be just me you know, I don't watch enough to make it yeah. an educated judgment it's a funny one for me though because like Brady so I started watching the NFL properly after the, like the 1980s when I had my Chicago Bears jersey as a three year old <laughs> uh, I started you watching you did you Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. There's As a three-year-old? Three or four-year-old, yeah. There's a picture of me on oh, Christmas God. morning with a Chicago Bears jersey. Uh, there's a picture of me and my dad. I'm wearing a Chicago Bears jersey and for some reason a Denver Broncos helmet. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but later on, after after being a lapsed fan, I watched the Super Bowl, as you do, and it was the Patriots and the Rams, the underdog Patriots against the Rams who had just won the Super Bowl the year two years before. They were called the greatest show on turf. They were the aristocrats. And the Patriots were this, uh, you know, scrappy team who had a backup quarterback who'd come in for the injured star quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, and had kept his place in the team. And that was Tom Brady. And I watched the underdog Pats that night win the Super Bowl and then started watching the NFL pretty religiously after that. And they were my team and they won three out of four Super Bowls. They went and had that unbeaten season in 2007 where obviously they lost the Super Bowl. The following year, Brady went out the first quarter of the first game. Um, for the whole season uh, that was like devastating that was probably the Patriots best overall team if they had Brady they went and then came back and won three Super Bowls in five years at the end of his Patriots career and it's at that end point where you're like right Grant since he's gone it's not It's not that you like you grow up like I mean your sports fandom is a bit differently but is a bit different so it's like I still want the Patriots to win I want them to watch, but this doesn't matter to me or whatever but in those last few years with Brady the emotion of it all because there was this journey and I think a lot of people in Ireland who are Patriots fans will have a very similar story where they're just watching these comebacks that we're talking about and the Massachusetts crowd singing Brady, Brady, Brady at these like amazing comebacks you know deep into the playoffs as they go on another unlikely run as this guy goes into his 40s there's I don't know if there's been a sports story like it I really don't like to stretch the the to, to come from nowhere, the sixth-round pick. I know this is a well-told story, but it's also worth repeating. He was a sixth-round pick. He wasn't meant to make it. He comes in for a franchise, one, no, number one overall pick, keeps his place, wins three Super Bowls, then 
after those three Super Bowls, becomes the best quarterback in the league. And then late in his career, he says he's going to play till 45, which he did. Everybody scoffed at him and won another four Super Bowls, obviously one of them with the Bucks and seven overall. It is just one of the most remarkable stories in sport, whether you like Brady or not. I tell you one thing here, James, and Walkenstown though makes a good point. The worst sports comeback of all time has to be Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Fair point, James. <laughs> yeah, it only got bad for him when he came back, really. Yeah. But I, I think you're spot on, and it's it's bizarre. Like I think it's even such longevity you'd almost accept, and maybe in soccer, football, but like for longevity like that in the sport he's playing, it's absolutely preposterous. Like to be, do- you know, to be doing that. Like it, yeah, I just can't, I can't fathom that. I don't know how he managed to keep going. And what type of uh, sacrifices you have to make, I suppose, to facilitate that. Yeah. How do you pronounce that colour that I said earlier? I've got uh, an anonymous text given out to me. I would Mauve, have is it? Mauve, is it? Not Mauve, mauve no. I think so. <laughs> See, it's not a real colour. It's not something anybody says in real life. Uh, it's one of those things that you pick if you're picking a horrible bathroom colour or something like that. So I didn't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, anonymous texter. I'll get better for you. Richie. We'll start the news round. Yes. There's lots to get to tonight. The news round's brought to you, of course, as always, with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, we uh, should start with, I guess, what uh, the day ended with last night, and that is deadline day. Matt Doherty says his move to Atletico Madrid was too good to turn down. The Republic of Ireland wing back has signed a deal until the end of the season at the Wanda Metropolitano after the remainder of his Tottenham contract was torn up. Spurs couldn't register the deal as a loan as they'd already reached their limit of eight outward loans from the squad. But Doherty now can't wait to work under his new Atleti boss, Diego Simeone. Very excited. Um, just from what I've heard from people like here in Trippier, um, the way he said that he, he coaches, the way he said that the players... The players are. He said, "I'd really, I'll really enjoy myself here." So, um, just to see how his team's kind of playing games, um, it's going to be very interesting for me to see how they set up for games and training, and just seeing the different the different style of training. Somebody playing the piano there in Matt Doherty's press conference. Yeah, there was a really uh, shoddy editing job. If if uh, Atletico need a new AV guy, I'm putting a "Come and Get Me" play out there because it was some shoddy audio editing. And shoddy video editing in between, but uh, nonetheless, Matt Doherty is an Atletico Madrid player. Yeah, Richie, we talked about this last night, like just as it happened, and obviously we thought it was a yeah. loan deal at the time. Arthur, <clears throat> where are you on this? On Matt Doherty? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, it's great. I love seeing anyone kind of from uh, UK and Ireland going to any of those big leagues for a start, so that's that's it. Uh, in terms of where he's gone, though, like it, realistically, without I'm not following Atletico week in, week out, but um, it seems to be about as bad a time as you could possibly be going there. And that kind of follows on from the fact that he went to Spurs at a very inopportune time as well, didn't yeah. he? Like, and I think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to end particularly well. I think he'll go there. Partic- like I, I, I gather, and this is only from... like Around the stuff with the Joe Felix transfer when he came, wasn't the kind of general consensus was that Atletico were happy to let him go on loan and he'd come back because he didn't get on with Simeone and the kind of short thing is that Simeone's time may be up there. Yeah. Like, so, now to be fair... At the same time, they're fourth and they're in a, like, a Champions League chase. Like, there's still a lot to play for there. While you're ultimately right, it does feel like things are coming to an end there. Yeah. I think they make the Champions League, there's a sort of a... Yeah. If you're trading a top four chasing team in England for a top four yeah but I, I, I think his not. time at Spurs was up you know and I think there was a sense of even though he was in and out of the team once they decided to to buy that right back in this window it was always going to be it was either like warm the bench or go and play football and it's like there's definitely 
there's definitely something positive about the fact that he didn't drop and join a a Brentford or a you know a, a, like a mid-level Premier League team. There's something he's still in a Champions League chase. It might be a sideways move. It might even it's a move down actually, but it's almost the best move you could expect in that regard. And also there is that sort of historical link to a great club and a great league. Yeah, I guess. But I, I still, I'm kind of, and again, maybe someone else can explain all this to me, but I don't understand a scenario whereby he wasn't in the last six months or whatever, half a year um, contract with Spurs. So they're happy to let him go and that's their decision and things are a bit bonkers there anyway. Yeah. But the fact he's only signed to Atletico until the end of the season, I don't get it's what... A, like, it's a- it's a balls up on Spurs' behalf. Um, they have there's obviously new rules brought in the last uh, year or so about outward loans. So you can only have <clears throat> eight senior players out on loan, and Tottenham had reached that limit. Uh, it's one that obviously Chelsea had been wary of before, and it's one that Spurs have hit now. So they let uh, Brian Heal go to Sevilla, and they let Jed Spence go to Rennes uh, over the last week or so. So that took them up to their limit. So essentially, they'd agreed like he, on on his side, he had agreed a short term deal which is what a loan will be with Atletico. So they'd agreed to take him until the end of the season. And Spurs had agreed to uh, let him go on loan. Spurs were suddenly unable to let him go on loan, but the desire obviously was there to get the move to Atletico over the line. So that's how it's come about in that respect. So he's hoping to play himself into, I guess, a longer term deal at Atletico or maybe even a better deal back in England or somewhere else once that one was up. But it's like, I don't realise, I don't, I don't know how a top level club or supposed top level club reaches a stage where they're tearing up contracts because they don't realise how many players, senior players they have yeah, out on loan. It's nuts. Like it really is. And it just adds to the lunacy of that transfer window whereby and we'll get to Chelsea in a moment, where they spent the money they spent. Like I totted it up this afternoon. If you count in Hamid Traore's deal, Bournemouth have spent ninety million euro yeah. this month. And that's not counting Darren Randolph's deal. So they spent ninety million euro on players and you would struggle to pick any of them out of the lineup, and you would struggle to give a fiddlers about Bournemouth. And it's just this weird sea of cash and mismanagement that the Premier League is swimming in at the minute, and it's really, really hard to relate to on that front. Yeah, there was a list of, I think, the top 50 transfers, and I think three of them were non-Premier League, and I think Marseille, Nice, and I can't remember the other team, but it wasn't in Spain, and it wasn't Germany, and it wasn't Italy. Um, and yeah, the, the, everything else was Premier League. I think Chelsea were four of the top six. Yeah, well, what, I, whatever's going on, Chelsea's yeah, Chelsea's like, its own thing. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. that. But I suppose that's that's to be expected. I think like. your point on Doherty though was once that loan snafu arrived, why didn't they yeah, turn I, it into I, an eighteen-month contract? But I, I, I'd imagine it was too late. I'd imagine they'd set up for sure, the six-month deal. A free agent. Yeah, they didn't have to sign him. You know what I mean? I, I don't like. I presume there's, reg- there's registration night, things and stuff, but I don't. That's the only thing I don't get. Surely it's in their interest. Like they've been given an opportunity to, I suppose, sign an asset who all of a sudden will become more valuable to them if there is an eighteen month deal. Yeah, I don't understand. It just, I, to me, it just it strikes me again that it's kind of ally going from wolves to spurs. That on the face of it, it, it's interesting and it's positive and it's potentially good, but I don't think it'll end up well. I don't think it'll go well for him. Yeah, I hope you're wrong. I absolutely hope you're wrong. I'm sure you hope you're wrong. And yeah, Stephen yeah. Kenny definitely does as well. Um, speaking of Chelsea, Richie, Enzo Fernandez. 
Yeah, he has arrived in England after becoming the most expensive player ever in English football. The midfielder moved to Chelsea from Benfica for €120 million last night. A reminder that Benfica only signed him for €10 million six months ago. Meanwhile, the French league say Chelsea are to blame for the collapsed loan of Hakim Ziyech to Paris Saint-Germain. The Moroccan winger is said to be incandescent with frustration after missing out on a deadline day move. The LFP say the late sending of unsigned documents by Chelsea is behind the botched transfer enough to be doing but yeah yeah exactly <laughs> those lads hadn't have a day off in a month like but in fairness like richie this goes to your point about spurs and not knowing how many loans are allowed yeah. these are multi multi like billion like euro whatever pound companies like what are they doing how could they be run yeah. so shabbily like they can't even get their fax well, machines right on deadline day even even the fact that you're talking about deals being done right up until like this transfer window has been open for a month all of this could easily have been done a la I guess Cody Gakpo Liverpool literally before the window essentially opens and you can have your ducks in a row yeah that's to not still, just one team's be, problem though sometimes no, that, that's, 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 that's everybody there, there's a domino effect from transfers yeah. and yeah but, the, but, but this is like Chelsea knew that they were going to have to pay top dollar for, for Fernandez and Benfica which is an excellent holding job and saying no no no, give me 120 million. And, and there was a like, release clause there. They could have just done yeah, it at any point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fernandez is an interesting one. I, I like. I was impressed with him at the World Cup. I thought he was like he looked a good player, and he's a young guy. But I don't know if he stood out enough. You know, this was a this is a guy who was like you know, oh, he should be in the team. Is kind of the conversations you were having about him with Argentina, rather than this is the next big thing, and he's going to England for 120 million. So I suppose it remains to be seen, but. You'd be wary. You'd be very wary. It's bonkers. What's the possible return on that that makes that a good deal? Yeah. What would Eight and a half years, Arthur. That Eight and a half years. That's what I mean. Like, what do you have to do? Because we're going to yeah. talk to Gavin about those those um, those tra- those contracts in the football show. But yeah, absolutely. It, it's you wait until the summer when the World Cup isn't fresh in everybody's mind and everybody's forgotten about Enzo Fernandez, and, and, uh, Enzo Fernandez, and you're not paying 120 million oh. for him. But that's exactly, and that's Absolutely like. Absolutely not. I thought that was one of those things where it's like almost, you know, you sound smart outside of football, saying you don't buy into the hype after the World Cup, and there's clubs spending in, you know, nine figures. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's, My God, I, I just don't get it. I don't get. I, I really like. Maybe there is that. There's that sort of thing where it's people are half saying, oh, maybe he's playing chess here, like Bowley in some way or other. But I don't know what what possibly could be going on that this is a good strategy. The contract thing is obviously they, they've come up with a way of doing something smart around financial fair play. That doesn't mean that all of their uh, that all of their yeah. decisions are good. It's actually nothing to do with it. It's just a little accounting trick that they've come up with, right? Everything else is still as crazy as it looks that they're spending all this money on all these unproven players. It's like the, we th- look and it, it, the Saudi Arabia thing was part of it, but we spoke for like it was infamous how much Newcastle spent last last January. Chelsea has more than doubled it here. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely bonkers. I don't get On it. On who? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, your man, Mudrick, seems like he's a bit of a player, all right. So but I far, don't, yeah. I still, it's just that, I don't know how you're, how do you justify it? How is it, how is it possibly going to pay off? What has, to, that's just my thing. What has to happen for this to have been a successful window, realistically, mm. that they weren't already doing? Like, they're a regular top four team. It's not like they've, you know, like domination. That's not going to happen. There's other teams who can match you. I just that's what I, I can't get my head around. No, I, I can't either. Let them at it, Richie. Johnny Sexton is uh, he's taken off his mask. 
He has indeed, yeah. Face mask free today as he trained in the Algarve ahead of Saturday's Six Nations opener away to Wales. The Ireland captain insists he's fighting fit for that game in Cardiff. Uh, despite Ireland's status as favourites for Saturday's game, it's actually 10 years since they won a Six Nations encounter on Welsh soil and Sexton wants to put that right this weekend. You know, there was close calls in 15, 17, 19. They were going for the Grand Slam. We were going for the Championship. We got, couldn't remember that they, there was terrible day weather-wise they got an early score and we had to chase the game in the wet it was a horrible day uh, one of the worst days we've had in green a lot of us um, and then obviously the last time we were there with, with Pete you know uh, getting the red card made things very difficult but we we could have even got snuck away with a with a win but uh, it's amazing how you can look back at all these games and you remember them so so vividly because they're all so special um, it was a tough place to go ask any any nation ask England, Scotland, no one has that good a record there, but even when we won there in 13, we went on to, I think, finish last in the tournament. So uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything if you get the win. I was trying to figure out when what that game was during that clip, and then Johnny just confirmed it for me at the end when he said about us finishing last. Because that was the... Ireland came out like a house on fire. Zebo had the flick into his own hands, the backheel flick. And Ireland scored, I think, four tries in the first half. Wales kind of came back into it. And then we ended up having a disastrous Six Nations loss to Italy. Uh, which is... <laughs> anyway, that was... Uh, I remember it now, Johnny. Um, Wednesday Night Rugby coming up after 8 o'clock with Matt Williams and Keane Tracy. Richie, more IRFU news? Yeah, the union has unanimously approved uh, to a proposal to achieve 40% female representation on the IRFU committee by the end of the year. At present, only 13%, or that's three of the current 23 committee members are female. The proposal will be put to the IRFU annual council meeting in July for consideration. IRFU Chief Executive Kevin Potts says the move underlines their commitment to women in rugby in Ireland. And the IRFU's World Rugby Rep, Sue Carty, explained the importance of the move while speaking to Irish Rugby TV today. Yeah, it's important on so many levels, to be honest. Like, first of all, all the research tells us that diverse organisations are much more, like, are more effective and and better organisations. Um, so that for one. And then when we look at participation in the game, we're growing female participation in the game. We have more and more girls getting involved in the game at every level like from coaching refereeing um, and really it's really important to us that we really see that happening through the governance and leadership side of the game um, so this opens up the opportunity and makes it really clear that we want more women involved in the decision making side in the running of the game like in those decision making committee rooms as well as being out and on the pitch yeah can't argue with any of that but like Getting from 13 to 40% isn't a straightforward thing, but, you know, this is the first step and it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, they've given themselves a small enough time frame to do it as well. And importantly, I guess, uh, probably given the stories that have come out in the last couple of weeks, probably more importantly tonight, the Welsh Rugby Union saying they're, they're going to implement similar steps uh, in the coming weeks and months too. So, uh, yeah, positive. But as you say, like, it's trebling effectively the number of board members, female board members, within the space of what 10 months now it's mm. it's a job you know it really yeah, is a job you, see, you don't want you don't want to see it to just be lip service like we, we talked about it last week with uh with dan on the show the fai exactly yeah simple thing to do and do well and not lose yeah. the the wrong people yeah for it to yeah. be meaningful essentially and not mm. to just be a box ticking exercise and that's the balance they have to strike yeah united look like they're going to wembley but they've uh just have to forest to take care of tonight 
Yeah, the mother and father of all balls up as well as it'll take tonight for United to go out. But they should book their place in the Carabao Cup final. They take a 3-0 lead into the second leg of their semi-final with Nottingham Forest at Old Trafford. Uh, perhaps the key team news is actually on the United bench. Jaden Sancho is back in the fold for them uh, among the subs tonight, as is Anthony Martial. Kickoff is at 8pm. Newcastle await in next month's final at Wembley. That's interesting to see Sancho back because it was getting to the stage now where it was... Yeah. It's a long, long time. You know, if you see some action tonight, you know, like, if Jaden Sancho is actually Jaden Sancho, he's a... I'm not going to say he's like a new signing. No, no, you're but right. But it's though. an interesting character to have around for the end of the season. You're 100% right. He'd be an amazing player to have back in the mix for them. Um, it's probably not, funnily enough, somewhere they're lacking too much at the minute, but it's, I mean, one one bad injury along that front line and the whole thing would fall apart. So to have someone like him back in the mix would be fantastic for them. Um and yeah, as Richie's saying, like it should be more or less a formality tonight, though. And then, even talking to Shane Hannon from OTBM this morning in the office, it's like it's going to be a situation where, in a final, Man United are the good guys. So that'll be interesting. Well, let's yeah. not stretch it. Well, I was going to say. No, I was no. going to say. Look, you, we all know at your heart of hearts who you would want to win. Uh, we'll see. Uh, no, I, like I, I hope the Newcastle have won a trophy in like it's fine. seventy years. Yeah, get used to it. It will it's not going to be that way for much longer. Richie, this Conte story—it's like yeah, you feel like these type of things should happen more often, but it's 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 unbelievable. Like it just feels so strange that he's not going to be around for however long. Yeah, I, it almost seems like his time at Spurs is, is, is snake bit when you consider what's gone on yeah. with everything surrounding him there. But Tottenham boss Antonio Conte says he's already feeling better after undergoing surgery today to remove his gallbladder. The Italian has been di- diagnosed with cholecystitis, an inflammatory condition. Spurs say Conte will return following a period of recuperation. They play Manchester City in the Premier League on Sunday. I don't know how influential he is on the line or during the week or, you know, if he's doing anything. If he's, like, they don't have Antonio Conte for what could be up to, like, eight weeks. You'd imagine it's probably more like a month. Season could get away from Spurs very, very quickly here. Like, this is... uh, Do you remember when Alex Ferguson missed the Manchester Derby to go to his son's wedding? I don't, actually, no. (laughs) Strangely. 2001 or two, they lost. It's interesting. Like, I don't know what he'd be like when he'd be missing. And as Richie's saying, I don't know what Richie's saying there... he reckons Conte's time at Spurs is coming to an end, or just yeah, kind of winding no, down. Bit, snake, no, no, snake bit is what I said. I think it's like when you consider the like he had, he had, a, he had a, like he can't, like he can't legislate for this, but he had a staff member pass away. Of course, yeah. Uh, you have the Fabio Paratici stuff going on in the background, whereby he could be facing a ban from world football. I don't think it's his first illness either, Conte. I think he's, he's obviously had the COVID. I think beforehand or something else as well. And then you factor in. The, the, the element of not really being able to get any traction with, in terms of results um, it just seems like something is off and yeah. I don't know if it's it's, it's going to be the longest lasting relationship in the world when no. he rocks up at sunnier climbs and they come Madrid oh yeah <laughs> Matt Matt New again <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember like Phil Thompson was quite successful when he took over from Julier but it's I think there was a galvanising factor at Liverpool that time in that, like, the manager was undergoing a serious operation, you know, fighting for his life. And, you know, that you can understand that that would get the team into a, into a certain place. Whereas this is a kind of a routine enough thing for Conte, but obviously he needs the period of recuperation. But there's no kind of sense of, like, Spurs, like, doing it for the manager. You know, it's just no. they're just going to be without him for a significant period of time. It's a strange one. Uh, Richie, a couple of other Irish players on the move that we never Richie's got to gone. talk about? Richie's gone. <laughs> Richie's gone. Okay. 
But he was going to tell us about Kyra Carusa uh, joining London City Lionesses and uh, Rihanna Jarrett. He's back. He's back. Tell us yeah, about Rihanna yeah. Jarrett and Kyra Carusa, Richie. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Republic of Ireland striker Kyra Carusa has joined the English Championship leaders London City Lionesses. The 27-year-old was named the Danish Top Flight's MVP for last year's campaign at Kuga. Uh, Carusa replaces effectively Rihanna Jarrett at the Lionesses. She rejoined Wexford Youths last night going back to a club where she won three league titles and three women's FAI Cups. Yeah, interesting move. This Saudi uh, Women's World Cup story has been uh, making a few waves today. I think we're going to talk about it on tomorrow night's show. Yeah, the Australian and New Zealand football organisations are seeking urgent clarification from FIFA over its deal with Visit Saudi. The deal with the Saudi Tourism Authority is for the Women's World Cup being hosted by the two countries this summer. Football Australia say that there weren't, they weren't consulted prior to any decision being made. Human rights advocates have condemned the decision due to Saudi Arabia's history of oppressing women's rights. Yeah, this is a strange one. And as I was saying, I think we're going to speak to someone on the show tomorrow night. Uh, we don't quite have time tonight on what the reaction is. Be, it has been and what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, just a very, very weird one. And Richie, we're out of time, but yeah. like, I can't believe what I'm reading here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ronan O'Gara is facing... I, I, I literally don't know how it could be happening at this time around. But Ronan O'Gara is facing further disciplinary problems in France. The La Rochelle head coach has been cited for his behaviour during Sunday's top Couture's meeting with Racing. Crucially, that match had seen O'Gara serving the final game of a 10-match suspension, <laughs> ah, which on. brought his total number of weeks banned this season alone to 16. He's to appear before a disciplinary committee on February the 8th. I'm sure he doesn't need directions at this stage. Maybe he doesn't want to be. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't want to do the match days. I don't know. What did he do? He's already banned. I, 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 it, it related to his behaviour. Now I'm going through uh, you know, I know personal you're... translation, Google Translate, and the kind of vague language that the actual statement from the LNR was written. Uh, but it was very kind of uh, offensive uh, actions, uh, essentially, is kind of the crux of it. Um, but like to be banned for 16 weeks... And fined along with that as well. Like he's, he's, he hasn't paid, you know, small amounts of fines either. No. Uh, to be banned for sixteen weeks already, and now facing another suspension is, um, it's, it's it's a worry, and it needs to stop. If he's, to, you know, there's, there's a chance they have it in for him at this stage, though. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and I don't, <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. Like you get a reputation, you know, whether it's deserved or not, and suddenly everything you say is taken the wrong way, and you know. <laughs> You say no. that this sounds like a th- La Rochelle aren't exactly a traditional powerhouse yeah, I, in French rugby either, you know. I, I, I it just, I, I, you have to realize the French rugby coaching uh, scenario is different to here at home, whereas everybody's up in you know yeah. box and away out of trouble. Uh, they're on the sideline there, which is how Raj got into uh, rows with the now former Bordeaux coach, almost like a, a face-to-face uh, slanging match last season. Um, but God, like sixteen weeks of the season. And he hasn't been available for match days. Is um, it's something. No. Okay. We'll. I'm sure we'll get his reaction later in the week. Richie, thanks a million. <laughs> nice and lads. Thanks, Arthur. Cheers. Your chance to win big. News Talks Cash Machine. We had another missed call today. Uh, that means we have a rollover, of course. If you've entered since 5 p.m. on Tuesday, you're still in to win, but you must know the new amount, which is. 
€31,374.90. That's €31,374.90. Text PLAY to 57557. That's 57557. Get your entry in by 3pm tomorrow afternoon. Then across the GoLoud network of stations, Barry Dunn will make a call. If your phone rings, answer it within five rings. Tell them the exact amount in euro and cent, and you will win the cash. Remember that amount, €31,374.90. It's over 18s only. Text costs €2.50 plus your standard message rate to play. You are playing across the Go, now, Go Loud network of stations and terms and conditions are on Newstalk.com. Mike Carlson is up next to talk about Tom Brady.